if you're an entrepreneur, if you're in that price, you know, if you're in that 250, you know, once you kind of get there and, and there's still even benefit underneath that. But my biggest thing, it's, it's about control, yeah. right? It's how much control do you want? And, and then as you go, it's starting to understand all those things you just named off, right? So as you start to accrue wealth, as you start to accrue, you know, debt and, and all the things that kind of come along with that, it's such a huge, um, it's just another tool in your tool belt. Yep. And if you understand how to utilize it properly and you have the attorneys and the CPAs and the bookkeepers in place to, to really understand that and navigate the space, there's, there's so many advantages. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Wealth Podcast. I am here with a good friend of mine, Matt Coulter, and uh, we're going to be talking about foundations, nonprofits. I, I was, we, we've had a lot of conversations, Matt, about like how my audience, like very much this idea of intentional living and unlocking intentional living, like we realize that relationships are everything and we want to give back. And I just, I've been like, my eyes have been open to the power of creating foundations, the power of creating nonprofits and uh, the work that can be done, but then also some of the tax strategies that can be done along with that. And so thank you so much for making time out of your busy day to be on. I love your story. You're an inspiration. You're a great friend. And I'm just excited to add a ton of value to our audience in today's conversation. Well, man, uh, I'm blushing a little bit, but thank you so much for having me on, man. And uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, with everything that's gone on in the last year and a half or so now, it's... Um, it's been a wild transition in, in kind of my world uh, in a lot of different ways. But um, at the end of the day, you said something already. Um, it's about being intentional. Right. And that is such a, uh, such, a, such a word that I think sometimes gets overused and uh, underutilized mm -hmm. uh, from the standpoint. I stole that phrase from my friend Courtney. So if she listens to this, I don't want to, I got to give her a shout out for that. But um, it really is, man. It, it's been a space that's been really interesting for me. Um, you know, I attained a, a fair amount of success early on in life when I was uh, younger, I'm 39 now. Um, and so for me, having the opportunity to wake up every day and give to other people, like, to me, like, it's a life worth pursuing. And everybody has different passions and things that they find. But for me, you know, I had a friend diagnosed real young. Uh, when we were in our 20s, she was diagnosed with cancer. And um, a good friend of mine and myself created a foundation to help her. And that's what really kind of got it everything, got everything started for me. And then as I've grown, you know, um, like you, uh, you know, I'm an entrepreneur first. And so a big part of, of what I've done over the last couple of years is really kind of tried to create space for me to have conversations a lot like the ones that we've had yeah. and, and giving people an opportunity to, to understand that there's a lot of different ways to give back and there's a lot of different ways to be impactful. Um, everybody just thinks, oh, I can write a check or do whatever. And obviously that's important and those things are great and you can take advantage of the tax strategies and, and things that exist. But at the same time, like I'm really attached to people that have a cause. And that's always been my thing is why do you want to give back? How do you want to do it? And, and then let's go be intentional about it. And as long as we create a, you know, a good business strategy or a blueprint, whatever you want to call it, as long as you're willing to constantly reevaluate and adjust your course, then you can make a lot of impact with 
utilizing the world that we live in and technology and just the way that we're all connected now. It's, um, it's an exciting time because I think, I think people are ready to, to go, okay, like, especially here in the United States, yeah. like at the end of the day, wherever somebody may fall politically or racially or sexually or whatever it may be, I think everybody can agree that like there's room for improvement. Right. So let's figure that out and let's get to work. And, and that's really kind of what I base my, base my work life on is just kind of being intentional and, and taking action because I think there's a lot of people that talk about a lot of things. But, right. Um, well, I remember us getting connected because I, so I'm starting a, a apologetics Christian nonprofit. And, and I had a good friend of mine that was like, if you're in the space, you have to call Matt, my friend, Matt, who was like, I think from a picture that you had, it was like a surfer dude in California. that yeah, was enjoying sure. it. And so I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting. And so we, we talked and yeah, it really was just like, to this guy. <laughs> and it was like two minutes in, I was like, wow, you are amazing. And you were just super helpful and encouraging. And, and you just kind of, you opened my eyes to like the world out there. And, and so like, obviously I want people to be educated about the different ways that they can give. I know that there's some people listening to this that need to go the foundation route. I know there's some people listening to this that want to start a nonprofit. And I know that there's a ton of people listening to this that need to say like in the future, it's like a goal because it's not for everybody. Um, And I know that, you know, I've I've set up a, a private family foundation and also set up a nonprofit. And there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of things that it's you don't necessarily know about going in and it's yeah. important to work with somebody that can help and i just i and again this whole show and our whole movement as a company is to just make people aware and uh, unlock intentional living and so what i'm what i'm curious is i want to get a little more of your backstory i know that you said you're 39 years old you're in this space but like you you were very successful beforehand and i think your eyes were open to seeing one of your friends Die, being diagnosed with a with a deadly cancer, and it just gave you perspective. I just had a episode drop on my show, um, just re remembering the life of of Greg Helema, which who he was a he was one of the founders of Better Wealth. He died two years ago with with cancer, and it and it I'm telling you, it has given me a crazy perspective on life, and it just it just is a great reminder. And also, it like I I wouldn't trade those moments being by his side. Um, yeah. But it also, like, I think people ask and they're like, why do you do the things that you do? Why do you show up the way that you do? And it's just like, I just have perspective. So with that, talk a little bit about your upbringing. And then I want to then get into the trenches and, and give people real takeaways about if you want to be, you want your dollars to go further in the nonprofit world, helping people, what do they need to know? And like, help us um, weed through the weeds of, of sure. all of this sure. and, and really let's give, let's get some good takeaways. Yeah, we'll definitely dive into that. And, and weeds is exactly right. It's a it's an interesting space. But you know, for me, uh, born and raised in Southern California, um, great parents. I, I say this all the time. I hit the hit the lotto with my parents. My parents divorced when I was young, um, when I was about seven or eight. And then um, you know, my dad got remarried to a wonderful woman, Barbara, my stepmom. Been my stepmom for God <laughs> a long time now. Um, and two sisters, uh, one biological, one adopted. Uh, Gosh, my sister's birthday today. It's her uh, 35th birthday. So shout out to my sister, Carly. Um, and then my adopted sister, uh, Grace, is a sophomore at San Diego State. So she's down there in quarantine trying to figure out the, trying to figure out how to navigate the college space right now, which we've had some conversation about that has been um, interesting, just trying to kind of be an advocate and, and more than anything else, just kind of be an ear for her. 
Um, went to school in Los Angeles, uh, lived down there, kind of lived in Newport, lived in Seal Beach, Long Beach kind of area. Um, like I said, went to school down there, had a great time. And when I moved home, uh, moved home with the parents, <laughs> like yeah. so many people do, just trying to kind of figure it out. And um, I think I was home maybe like six or seven weeks and I ran into a, a friend of my dad's, but a colleague as well. And, and he kind of just looked at me and he's like, what the hell are you doing? You know, what's your plan? And to be perfectly frank at that point, I was 21, 22, um, didn't really know to be, to be honest. Uh, my dad had been in the kind of development insurance real estate space for better part of his life. And so that's the only thing I really knew. And so my dad's colleague, uh, basically took me to lunch and just said like, Hey, I think I've got some opportunities for you. You'll have to, you know, earn your keep, but there's probably some opportunities. And it was in the, um, like title and escrow space, but it was in kind of residential and commercial. And so I knew this space because I grew up in it. And so found a lot of success and, and kind of just took the ball and ran with it. Uh, ended up opening my own residential real estate office with a partner of mine, Eric, and then ended up transitioning into commercial real estate, ended up working kind of Ventura County, Los Angeles County, a little bit of Orange County, um, and then some stuff, some spots across the country as things kind of grew and um, enjoyed it. There were some things I was really good at. There were some things that I wasn't that great at, um, but I found a lot of kind of material and final, financial success early. And for me, it was, I was kind of the first person in my friend group you know, everybody else was either athletes or still going to college or whatever. And so um, it was a, looking back on it now, it was a wild experience because I kind of what I deem success from a financial and kind of monetary standpoint, I got all those things at like 23 and 24 years old. And so um, having unpacked all of that now, I understand, you know, that was really hard for me because it was you know, I kind of was like, okay, if I can get to here by the time I'm 40, which I'm going to be 40 this year, it was like, okay, that'll be success. And I just got that a lot quicker than I thought. And so what happened was, is most people, most people chase that carrot forever. Yeah. And maybe they get it, maybe they don't. A lot of people don't, and they just kind of chase it. And, and a lot, that's why I think you see a lot of people waking up in their fifties and sixties going, what did I do? Like, I lived a life that wasn't intentional that I fell into. And so there was parts of me that kind of felt that way. And then had a friend get sick. But right before that, I had friends that had an orphanage in Haiti. And this was, um, this was post earthquake and going down there and spending some time kind of, and then being able to travel prior to that and, and really kind of being immersed in some third world countries and really just kind of, being in those places for a significant amount of time, I think what the biggest takeaway, you, you've used the word perspective. And that for me, those trips internationally changed everything. Isn't it crazy that we go down to serve other people, but then we're the ones that, I mean, the word that comes to my mind is we're the ultimate beneficiary of like, I, I came to serve guilty. and you guys gave me more than I could ever give you. I felt guilty flying home Yeah, because I felt like I had had such a life altering experience. And I felt like I was walking away with so much and I gave so little and being a little bit older and looking at that now I understand it. But in that moment, I was kind of like, 
whoa, like, what am I going to do? And then just like everything else, you get home and then you kind of get back into the, the swing of, you know, life here in the United States and all the kind of things that we have and all the pressures that we create for ourselves. And, um, but over the next couple of years, you know, I had a friend that was diagnosed um, with cancer, had four or five friends, all kind of that I either was really connected with or like one degree of separation, all diagnosed with cancer in like a two and a half year time frame. And so all of a sudden I was still doing real estate and kind of in that entrepreneur creating businesses and doing things. But then I, I found myself kind of racing home to work on some of the nonprofit stuff and very long story, long story, things just continued to speed up. And the first foundation that we created kind of was in a position to where it was either we were going to have to hire somebody and I was going to have to teach them everything or I was just going to do it myself. And so that was kind of the inflection point where it was like, okay, what do you want to do with your life? And for me, um, I like nice stuff just like everybody else. And I enjoy making money and, and having nice things and, and eating good meals and kind of doing all those things. But um, a lot of the monetary stuff and things that I was buying, um, it was fleeting. It was, hey, that's a sick car. I'm in love. I feel like a badass getting out of it, you know, going to the ballet or doing whatever you're doing. But then it's like, okay, six, seven, eight weeks down the road, it's just another car and it just gets you to A to B. Okay. And then it's like, okay, it's the next car or it's better rims at that time or a better sound system. And then it was, well, I've got this watch, but this one's better. Or, hey, that house is rad, but there's a better neighborhood or this house is bigger. And you start to realize if you can take a step up or back and look at things objectively, for me, I started to realize that all the stuff that I was chasing for happiness was it, it all that stuff needed to be the byproduct and not the focus. Yeah. And that was where I kind of lost myself a little bit. And so transitioning into running the foundation full time and then to where I'm at now, you know, um, 143 Collective is my company that I founded a couple years ago. And it was really set up for just a place for my mind to kind of run wild. And then the board members and, and, you know, advisors and volunteers that I have that I've kind of accrued over the last, you know, 12, 15 years or so. Um, you know, I have a lot of people giving a lot of contributions from their time to monetary compensation and things of that nature. But um, being able to wake up and work on something that I know is going to exist past me is what really fuels me cool. is, that understanding of all the people that gave up their time for me, all the people that were mentors that are mentors. Um, to me, it's about taking what you learn and trying to give it to the next person. And, and I really try to live my life that way. And it's not perfect. I, I make tons of mistakes just like everybody, but um, waking up and chasing that and trying to just be better every day, it, um, it's fulfilling for me in a way that like, I don't think the monetary stuff would have ever been. And I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's I think it's important to hear people's honest stories. And I can tell you, I, people won't last long on this show if they're not willing to open up because it's like so many you you see so many people on the front end, yeah, but they're they're not willing to share the, the journey that they've had to come through. And so, thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm I'm really curious when it comes to private family foundations. We can talk about foundations. Like I I wanna I obviously have been turned on to this because of some of the tax benefits and if you look at majority of billionaires have have foundations now that i now that you're listening to this podcast everybody or watching this on youtube you're going to start noticing people that you know are giving through their foundation and 
I think some of the more more popular ones are Bill and Melinda Gates. I know that Warren Buffett has a foundation. I know that that the Clintons have a foundation, and I pretty much majority it was it hit the news a while ago when Facebook when Mark Zuckerberg gate like donated ninety nine percent of his wealth into his foundation. It's like when you understand kind of what's going on, you go like, okay, I I see what's what's going on here. It feels good, but like yeah. actually, we're saving all this money, and and you know we're using we're using the laws and and the rules and the regulations, right. and we're using them to our advantage the best right. way that we can. And frankly, that is just um, it's something that I've learned as I've gotten into it because that's yeah. not why I got into it I, exactly. Yeah, but I understand the the value. Right. The values. So what I want to what I want to go through, and I don't I'm I'm assuming that this we'll be able to talk about this is number one donor advisor fund. I think that's for, for people that are giving a lot of money. It's my understanding that they can give to a foundation, get yeah. the benefit, and then any, then they can tell the, um, the donor advisor fund where they want to give. And it, and it creates one receipt instead of multiple. So that's, that's one. Yeah. It's starting a, uh, a nonprofit, which is something that I've, I'm going through the process and it's, I'm telling you, it's not the most fun experience, but I, I take for sure. Right. But I'm, I think it's, it was the best thing. And then it's the, a foundation and there's multiple types of foundations out there my my hope is that we can get an understanding of the three and maybe there's a fourth that i'm not thinking of yeah um, but why don't we walk through like what you're up to in one four three collective yeah. and and just let's let's bring a little clarity to different ways that you can be charitable and the pros and cons to each yeah absolutely i think um for me one four three collective really started out as a, as a way for me to kind of take all the ideas that i had and, and kind of have a, an avenue to you know, run wild, just like for any other entrepreneur, you know, creating an LLC or a shell or whatever it may be. And so with that said, I wanted to be a little bit more forward facing. Uh, it is a 501c, you know, um, public nonprofit. And essentially, not only did I want to create my own programs and create my own ways to give, um, because obviously cancer has been something that has run through my life. Um, and so I'm very dedicated in a couple different foundations. I run a foundation called the Beautiful Foundation. Um, which I'm the president of with my, with my partners, Nikki and uh, Rihanna Capri. Um, and so we have a, it's specific to women and women fighting cancer and providing wigs and, and hair donations and stuff. And so that's just one of 22 or 23 programs that I'm either the president of run internally or I'm advising on. And so as we, as I developed 143 Collective, it really was created exactly to the reason of what you talked about. There's so many avenues within the nonprofit space and there's so many ways to do good. I wanted to give people multiple avenues to do that. So donor advised fund, fiscal sponsorship, those two kind of go hand in hand. And so there's a couple different ways on the back end how that is set up. But the idea for that is, is really to be able to connect with people, with organizations, with companies, that are going, hey, we want to do good, but we don't want to go through all the red tape, the 1023 forms, the tax returns, the 99, all that stuff. We don't want to deal with that. We just want to do good. And so I understand that at a very, on a very deep level, not only from being a business owner, but now being in, in the operational side on, on, you know, kind of the nonprofit side. And so uh, within 143 Collective, we have a fiscal sponsorship, donor-advised specific avenue to go. And so it really is set up for a litany of reasons, but it really, the biggest reason I have it kind of within the scope of work is to give us kind of the, 
the nimbleness and the, the flexibility to adjust to things in real time. Because we live in a time now where we consume information 15 seconds at a time and it's yeah. okay, mass shooting today, tomorrow there's something else. Like there's just all this information all the time. And so what I started to figure out was, you know, we live in a very reactionary time because of the way that we consume information. And so that's not changing anytime soon. So I really wanted to facilitate at least the, that arm of my company to, to be flexible and to be able to act in real time. And so a lot of the times with that kind of fiscal sponsorship or donor advised fund, what it ends up being is, you know, like I said, a person, organization or company that has something on their heart that, you know, they want to take part in, they want to be able to give, but again, they don't want to go through all the kind of the, the growing. Yeah, I, I think a common one that some of our clients are a part of is, is that I think there's like a Christian foundation or a donor advisory fund. And the concept is it's, and tell me if I'm wrong here, it's simple because you just donate money to it. You can then tell, tell, you can then give anonymously or you can give it can say on behalf of you. So you can like also give to other people, missionaries and all this stuff. The disadvantage I would say is, is kind of the lack of control. Once you donate that money, it's, it's in an organization. You have some, some control, some you, control but you can't invest that money. And, and, and ultimately it's, it's now the foundations and you're really, they can choose not to give it. Now, obviously they, that wouldn't be good. Absolutely. It, and, and it's all, you understand this relationships are everything. Yeah. I don't care if it's better wealth, if it's one, four, three collective, or you're selling cars. Like right. it really is that personal relationship. And it is that understanding of like, yes, when you're giving money to us in, in obviously there's contracts and all kinds of things to protect right. both parties, but yeah, the money's coming to us. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's my reputation and it's my company's right. reputation. And so for me, I, I'm very choosy with the people that I choose to work with, especially now because we're so busy and just like everybody. And we, we've got so many fantastic pro programs and outreach that we're doing. My biggest thing is connecting with people that are intentional and okay. have that because I do have some programs that require a little bit more handholding than others. Yep. And I don't mind doing that at all, as long as it's authentic and it's yep. coming from the right place. Now, with that said, the other part of that conversation really is when you start looking at athletes or TV personalities or people that are starting to accrue wealth, they got to be able to put that money to different places. And when I was younger, um, I was giving to a couple different organizations because I just felt like that was the thing to do. I really didn't understand the, the, the financial ramifications and, and positive things that could come from it. But I had such a negative taste in my mouth because what I was giving to, I kind of gave and then it was like, okay, well, I don't really know what they did with yeah. that. And so yeah. 143 Collective has kind of just taken that feeling and went to the other side. Okay. So really for us, it's, it's about transparency and it's yep. about going, hey, here are the causes we're working on. If you have a internal fiscal program with us or a donor advised fund, you can give to any one of these, these causes, um, obviously that are internal. Yep. Or, hey, if there's external relationships and things, obviously we can give there. And being in the position that I am, I understand what organizations are actually doing real work yep. and what organizations are just kind of like collecting money. Yep. Um, and that's not to discount any of those people because they're playing within them. Is, the is there a, a website that people can go to if they want to do 
um, the donor advisor fund to look at? Like, I know, again, there's Christian ones, there's like, there's different theme ones. Is there, is there one place where they can find that or where, what's the best place to do research it's on it? All over the place, depending on where you look at. That's why I'm so thankful when people get directed to me, because a lot okay. of the times they, you have to have that internal convert, that just initial conversation to figure out what they like, really okay. want to do, because some people go, oh my gosh, I want to have my own yeah. nonprofit. And then we have yeah. the conversation. They're like, hey, just do the program. That seems way easier. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I could say, I don't think everyone should do their own nonprofit, but it's, it. okay. So that's, that's number one. Now I want to talk about the difference between a foundation and a nonprofit and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I, I know a lot about, a, like, I know a little, a little bit about a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. So a private family foundation or, or foundation is really meant to you can have wealth and majority of the time it's your the person that's setting up is the primary donor correct you can get give it you get that right off you control that capital you have correct. to give so much of corpus um i i think the law is at least five percent of, yeah. of the yeah, depending on the state i think it's somewhere between five and seven percent okay so there's there's benefits of because you know through the foundation you can own other things and all this but at Absolutely. the end of the day you need to then give to nonprofits. And so it's essentially a way if, if you're seeing this on YouTube, it's you, you have you have money, you donate it to your private family foundation, you maintain control, then you do charitable work, you can give to nonprofits and do other things. And you get the deduction up front, you're able to have control, but but you're, the foundation's not necessarily doing a ton. I mean, it could, but the goal is to then give to other nonprofits. Correct. Nonprofit is is it's not a private family foundation it's it's a 501c3 it's it's usually here's the cause that we're doing yeah answer my mine's again on christian apologetics other things and then people can donate mm -hmm. then you can give you know you can give them a tax deduction right off whatever and yep. then you can do nonprofit work yeah. that that's a that's the new version of uh yeah. no that hey you you knocked it out um okay what I see with a lot of family foundations um, is exactly what you said, and, and, and it is a, a wonderful path and, and a great kind of thing to set up. There's a lot of athletes, a lot of people that, um, you know, TV personalities, celebrities, people of that nature, business people, obviously. It's a great way to, um, this is going to sound bad, but like for like athletes, athletes that have, you know, let's say an NBA player, right? NBA player goes to the draft, gets drafted. He's in his second or third season. He's starting to make significant amounts of money. Um, you know, those guys usually aren't, you know, those, those guys are businesses within themselves. And a lot of those guys start having people that they're employing, people that they're taking care of. And, and I'm always just like the best thing that you could ever do once you start making just even a little bit of money is to create a family foundation or a donor advised fund because then that way, instead of just paying your friend to do whatever he's doing, you employ that person through the family foundation, you pay them through the family foundation. And then all of a sudden, that money that you would have been paying him is actually going to the family foundation and you are receiving that deduction. So it's just about being intelligent with your money and understanding what the rules and how to play those things. So that's the biggest first thing that you can kind of go down that road. And, and, and for me, the family foundations and, and donor advised funds and things like that, that's when you really want to maintain control, right? You want to be able to go, hey, we're going to give to these four organizations each year. 
um, they do all the great work and we just filter the money to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you firsthand the pro there's a lot of pros. The cons are there's a lot of paperwork. Like there's, it has to be done well. And so my question is, I want to talk about the pros and cons yep. and what, and I want to be honest with the cons. And then I will also want to know, like, when does it make sense to start doing research on, on if this is a, if this is something that you should look into? Yeah. So, um, the pros and cons is exactly what you said. It, it, running a nonprofit or creating your own family foundation, it sounds great. And, and the pros are fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's just, it, there's a, the barrier to entry is heavy and it people go, Oh, well, Hey, I'm not good. Thanks for your help. But I think I'm just going to do it on legal zoom. Awesome. Yeah. Go for it. I'll talk to you in six months. Yeah. Because well, I know firsthand setting it up is not, that hard it's maintaining it and making sure that it's done properly that's that's where a lot of people come to me and say caleb like i am i'm not do i'm not being compliant how do we get this thing figured out and it could be scary it 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 can and it can it can um get out of control real quick and and that's what i try to tell everybody i'm like i'm not a hard sale guy never have been not kind of not my not my personality not how i do things but i am very direct with people um there's moving parts and there's a lot of language and a lot of things that for me, when I, the first two, three, four that I did way over my head. And now, you know, I've got a little bit more expertise and in a pretty, you know, pretty significant amount of hours in this thing. So I, so I understand it, but yeah, that's where people don't understand. They're like, Oh, I'll just create this foundation and whatever. And it's like just the maintenance. Yeah. You got to have somebody at least part-time, even if it's just a very, very tiny, small thing. And so that's where I'm such an advocate of those kind of donor advice funds. It's like, you can't be everything to everybody and you can't know everything about everything. And so yep. that's where relationships become. What's, important. what's the typical price that someone would pay just to maintain a private family foundation? Gosh, you know what, to get one set up and go, I try to tell people like, you should have like, you're going to really do it the right way. Like I always tell people 10 grand. Just go, if you got 10 grand just to get it rolling and get the proper people in place and to really set it up and do it the right way and then be able to set you up for that next year, I kind of go, I always tell people 10 grand. And then what about to maintain it? And then to maintain it is probably half of that. Okay. So but, just, just for, just for people, okay. There's yeah. a lot of benefits to a private family foundation, ton, tons of benefits. And we're talking about $10,000 to set up 5,000 just to maintain, make sure that the meeting minutes are done. Is it nine ninety? Yes. Yeah. So there's extended nine nineties. There's, yeah. you know, and so that's what I was going to say next is there's too many variables in that. So like right. if the family foundation, if you're giving millions of dollars to it, yeah, there's going to be a lot more red tape than there would be. And then, you know, the other parts of the equation is, are you donate, are you donating, uh, domestically or are you donating yeah. to to you know foreign institutions because if you're donating internationally there's a whole other set of rules and things of that nature so right but i would say i mean there's i mean we're, we we serve a lot of different people so the people that give about five to ten thousand dollars a year probably you don't want to do a private family foundation because you sense. just you would just be paying money to establish something and not being able to have any money to donate it to. So the donor advisor fund is something that you want to look into. There's a lot of great resources, Matt, you're one of them. Yeah, um, got- and then, yeah, or just give directly to a nonprofit and then just keep track of the receipts. Absolutely. Um, that, but, but what is the amount, like, I've kind of heard, like, once you're donating around 50 K or more, it's like 
almost a no-brainer. I don't, again. Yeah, like, I, I kind of tell everybody, uh, I've never really kind of looked at it from, like, a, how much are you donating each year? I've kind of looked at it from, like, what are you making? Yeah. And, and so I kind of tell everybody, I'm like, if you're at 250 grand or more, you should have this. Okay. Like, yeah. That, that's a good metric because there's people that are listening to this that are way above that. And then there's quite a few people that are like, that is something to look forward to. And, and so I just really want to be honest with people and make sure that it's a good fit. So that's, that's a good metric. And obviously there's, there's a lot more I'm, I'm planning on having a series sometime in the future talking about the, some of the benefits Yeah. Uh, because my eyes have been open and I've had some mentors that, had their real estate owned by a private family foundation, had some other things owned by a private family foundation and employed some of their family through that. And not in, a, in like, it was, they were doing amazing work. Oh, so, absolutely. So I was like, interesting, like, this is all legal? And they're like, yes. And, and, then, and then, you know, when you start doing the research and you realize like it can own assets and it can be an expenditure to the private family foundation. And you're like, interesting. And, and someone once told me this, they're like, there's, there's, involuntary tax and voluntary tax like we have like you choose and and so it's like the the people that really know what's going on it, it just imagine being able to donate a lot more money but maintain control over that and really it's that extra middleman would mm -hmm. say in the equation that can be can be beneficial if you if it makes sense to set it up properly is there anything you want to add about the private family foundation no i, I just really look at it and i go if you're an entrepreneur if you're in that price, you know, if you're in that 250, you know, once you kind of get there and, and there's still even benefit underneath that, but my biggest thing, it's, it's about control, yeah. right? It's how much control do you want? And, and then as you go, it's starting to understand all those things you just named off, right? So as you start to accrue wealth, as you start to accrue, you know, debt and, and all the things that kind of come along with that, it's such a huge, um, just another tool in your tool belt. Yep. And if you understand how to utilize it properly and you have the attorneys and the CPAs and the bookkeepers in place to, to really understand that and navigate the space, there's, there's so many advantages. Yep. And especially for people that are making chunks of money at a time, yep. um, you said it, voluntary or involuntary, it, you're losing it either way. But I think there's a way, you know, with the family foundations or the donor advised funds and things of that nature, you can control it and have a little bit more, you know, little bit more direction on what that money does and then and then i always am like if you're employing people especially family members instead it's so easy to just write them a check or give them cash or to do whatever it behooves you to do it this way yeah that's cool um all right now let's talk about a nonprofit and yeah. when it makes sense to do that and i'll just i mean there are a couple people that have come to me that said like because we just attract some of the most amazing people in our community and they're just like, I really want to help these type of people. Cancer is an example. There's a lot of people that want, like, I. one of the things that I want to do is I want to wreck CEOs' worlds by taking them overseas or just in communities in America and have them be present with the people, give perspective. Like, you you could go to a leadership conference or you could, like, be in the trenches for two or three days. Yeah. And, I, like, that's something that I want to do in the future. And so it's one of those things. What if What, what would your advice be to have someone – who's not, doesn't have a ton of money right now, mm -hmm. but has a mission that's bigger than themselves that really wants to give back, wants to be able to raise money. What, what are some of the things that they need to know? And obviously anyone that wants to reach out to you, like we'll, we'll, oh, yeah, end, we'll, we'll give all the information and, right. and do all that stuff. But give them, save them 
five, 10 years of your, of you going, if you going through this, yeah. what are some of the things that they need to know? And what are some of the things to look out for? Um, because I think it's a phenomenal way if you're, if you're mission focused to be able to raise money in a, com- in a legal way and, and, and to have a powerful impact on the world. Absolutely. I think, um, the biggest thing that I tell everybody that's like, I want to do a nonprofit, I go, great, you're starting a business. Because the word nonprofit to me, like, it's just, um, it's, it's overused and it's yep. like, people don't know what it is. It's just like this big, like, oh, nonprofit, cool. Like, and so for me, we've talked about this through this whole conversation and through a lot of our previous conversations. It's about being intentional. And it's, what do you really want to do? And so to me, creating your own standalone nonprofit, it isn't about money. It isn't about any of those things. It's about the idea of what are you, what are you trying to do? Mm-hmm. And on what level are you trying to do it? And there's a multitude of ways to do it. There are tiny little foundations that have huge impact that you'll never hear about. And then you've got massive organizations that don't do anything. so for me my advice is always about being intentional with what you're trying to do and if you're trying to be intentional about giving um i'm always an advocate of of either starting your own nonprofit or kind of going down the road of like hey maybe i can do a a fiscal sponsorship first or a donor advised fund first to kind of navigate it and figure it out but to your to your point um it gives people a way to rally around what you're doing. So when people are really passionate and they know exactly what their cause is, I always am like, you either need to start the program to like the baby step or let's just go do it. Yep. And so that's what I try to tell everybody. I'm like, the biggest, most important thing is trying to figure out why you're starting the foundation. And once you start it for whatever demographic or geographic or whatever that cause is, then it's really just about getting down to what is, what is that, what does that avatar look like? Who are you actually trying to help? And well, yeah. And so how would you, how would you go about starting a nonprofit? Because again, like the, what kind of paperwork needs to be signed? How would you, how would you set that up? How would you advise someone to be like, um, obviously you want to make sure that you are starting a business Yeah. and it, and it's very much, and it's my understanding that it's like, you have a cause, you're going to be the, the thing that people can donate to, to help that cause. Correct. And, and so what are the what are some of the landmines to avoid and what are some what are some of the areas that you can start today doing research on that? Yeah, so my biggest thing that I try to tell everybody, um, I think there's a million fantastic uses for legal zoom. I think if you jump off that bridge and try to go down that road, I've done it and I did it when I didn't know anything and it took me double the amount of time because right. I didn't take the advice and I was too lazy to call somebody that had expertise. Yep. And so that is always my biggest thing, whether it's calling myself or or reaching out to me or even just starting with your attorney or CPA, because those both those people are going to have huge amounts of information. And if they don't, if they're worth their weight, they're going to direct you to somebody that is Um, the biggest, most important thing is, is clarity of your cause, because when you start filing all the paperwork, the biggest the biggest thing that you're going to have to kind of. Uh, figure out is your 1023 form. And the 1023 form is essentially your reasoning for why the government should give you tax exemption. And there are very specific rules, parameters, hoops to jump through um, when it comes to that form. And if you have not 
done that yourself or you're working with somebody that has not done that before, you're going to have a lot of back and forth with the IRS. The first time I did it, um, I did use WeagleZoom because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I mean, our first nonprofit took us like a year and a half just yep. to get formed, just yep. to get it to like submit it, not even approved. So yep. now knowing what I know, there's so many ways to kind of trick the system and, and utilize the tools that are in place to your advantage. But yeah, getting clarity on exactly who you're trying to help, why you're trying to help them, yep. what the process is going to be. Once you have that, all that stuff lives inside that 1023 form. Got um, it. So, and there, there's a way, there's a way to like get, get your EIN number and be able to start being technically like, Hey, the government represents you as a nonprofit, but then you also have to then file all like, and you got to get, you yeah. have to have that dialed in, man. Like there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of, there's depending on the, the type of charity, whether it's a public facing or a private charity, there's a lot of moving parts in that space. Yep. So um, if, if someone didn't have, like, if someone wanted to bootstrap it themselves kind yep. of deal. And that definitely is an avenue. We'll talk about the pros and cons to each. If someone wanted to bootstrap it themselves, obviously you need to you need to account for someone to help you with accounting. So you either need to do that or you need to find someone to be able to do that with you. And then there's obviously getting the non-profit uh, status. There is some hard costs. I think it's 500 when it's all said and yeah, done. There's, there's state, there's state, and and then obviously um, you know IRS fees and yep. yeah. So there there's. 2500 bucks okay so it's that it's that it's that much by the time you get it all done because even if like so say you're going to bootstrap it and you're going through legal zoom right that's going to be a couple hundred bucks at okay. least and then you have all the state the state filing fees all the you know um the irs all those different fees when you really kind of get down into it you're probably around somewhere between 22 2500 bucks okay. just okay so, um, so you get that established and is there ongoing cost? I'm just saying from the bootstrap because obviously yeah, from bootstrap standpoint, like there's probably, a, you know, there's going to be some registration fees and things that you're going to have annually, okay. but those don't really accrue to that much money. Um, and so that's where, you know, when I kind of use that $10,000 number, that was including this, this kind of okay. what I was talking about, because I just kind of go with your state fees, whether it's an attorney that files it for you or yep. something that you're getting advice from because you're going to have to get advice at some point because especially if you're coming into the situation you've never done it before there's just going to be things that you need so whether it's connecting with somebody like myself or an attorney or a cpa yep. so you, there's going to be a little bit of money involved there but you can get it done for pretty cheap especially if you're not in a huge hurry right right and so what are, so what's the pros to doing a nonprofit versus a foundation? Um, I would say do a foundation if you really have bigger goals of like a specific group of people that you want to help. Okay. Whether it's a missionary type of situation or a cancer type of thing or, or whatever, if you have a very specific cause and you want to be, you want to create a program or you want to create something new that is going to help that group. I'm always like, just do this. Yep. Most people go, hey, I want to have one event a year. I want it to benefit this demographic of people. And they think they have to start a nonprofit and you don't. Yep. And that's what I always try to tell people. Most people go, I want to start a nonprofit. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> like, I don't think you need to. There's, there's a ways to take advantage of all the tax um, pros without having your own foundation. 
Um, so it really just kind of each situation is unique and, and separate. But I would say if you really have a, a, a cause on your heart and you're really looking to make an impact there or make a significant change in that space, do a foundation. If you just want to have a, if you just want to direct money to something and you don't necessarily want to like change the world in that type of way, mm-hmm. do a family foundation, donor advised fund, you know, fiscal sponsorship. That's definitely the way to go. So it, those are kind of the two different avenues. Okay. So, so you're using the word foundation for both, but so in other words, like a nonprofit, if you want to go for it on something very specific in Kate, like in, in our case, like I'm having someone internal, that's going to be creating courses and all this stuff and people give nonprofit would be better for that. Yes. Okay. 100%. And then a private family foundation or, or donor advised fund is like, Hey, I want to, I want to help gen like, I want to be able to give money and then be able to give to multiple things, Correct. some in sectors, but I don't necessarily want to commit to X, Y, or Z. And I'm not necessarily going to be raising money. It's mainly for me. Yes. And that would be, that gives you a ton of control. So it's like the private family foundation in my, in, in my opinion is like really beneficial, gives you control of giving. It gives you a lot of perks and it really makes sense for people making 250,000 plus want to be charitable for nonprofit and I think you use the word found because at the yeah. at the core they're both foundations, but yeah. a nonprofit 501c3 is like, I want to be specific in this cause. It's gonna cost anywhere from five to ten K if you want to bootstrap it. It's yeah. not cheap. But that's where you raise money and say, hey, so and so you you have the same belief as I. Like if you give, this is what we're gonna be using your money for. Correct. Is that, is that is that kind of that is a, that's a really good overview of the whole thing. And and I really just tell people um, to do your research yeah. because it is a lot of people kind of come into it and go, Oh, I want to do a nonprofit. I'm like, Ooh, I, yeah. maybe you do, but Hey, did you know there's all these other options? And I think that's just the, that's always the great conversations that I have is when I am able to kind of use my expertise and, and yeah. let people know, Hey, like there's a way to do what you're doing without all the, like, yeah. you know, reinventing the wheel, so to speak. So in other words, I'll use this podcast to plug my stuff. It's like, Hey, if you're interested in, in <laughs> my foundation, let me know if you're interested in donating to my private or my nonprofit, let me know. I'll, I'll take the call. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and we talked about this, I think even before, you know, before we hit record, it's just about relationships. Totally. And, and that's totally. really what I, what I try to build it is relationships with people and, and it's great because a lot of those initial conversations, we're, we're talking about something real small and, hey, yeah, we could do that. That's going to be great. And then two or three years down the road, what we're actually doing is so much more impactful. And, and just, I think more, more times than not, it ends up being incredibly special and, and something that I think people were like, wow, like I had this idea and it turned into this thing. And yeah. look at all the people we're helping. Like yeah. that, that's the stuff that, that I, that I geek out on. So, yeah. And, and man, that's why you're on the show is I, I just really appreciated how helpful you've been and just what a great friend you are. Talk to me a little bit about, and I know that you've mentioned this a couple of times, but like, obviously there's the bootstrap way to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and there's, there's things legal zoom and all this stuff. And like the pros to that is it's cheaper to get started, but in most cases, on almost all cases, it's like you cut corner early on. It you're just just later you're gonna have to solve something or find find a team. And so yeah. what so your company really comes involved in saying, Hey, we'll be the we'll be the resource to help you draft the documents. If you need someone to do CFO work, we'll do that. We'll make sure the meeting minutes are, you know, done properly and really help people almost be like the behind the scenes because in most cases 
you're getting into a nonprofit or want to start a, fa a family foundation because of the cause, not because of the work. And it's I've seen personally, it's like, man, do I really want to do this? Cause like, it's just, it's just a headache, but, but the, the, the potential, the future potential is why I'm sticking in. Yeah. And so that's, and, and so that's what I believe you do. Do you want to explain a little bit more if people are interested they're in the process of doing research and how they can get connected with you and why you guys exist? Yeah. I mean, I really existed. I existed because when I was trying to give, I had such a bad experience when I was younger in my life, you know, I gave to a couple bigger foundations and uh, causes and things of that nature and, um, or people like that, I should say. And um, I just was very underwhelmed. I was like, oh, wow. Like, and I wasn't giving like, it wasn't like I was giving millions of dollars to these causes. I was giving, you know, some, you know, 10, $15,000. But to me at that time, it was a ton of money. Yeah. And, yeah. and so for me, when I got that, it was something that I always remembered. So when I built 143 Collective, a big part of that was I wanted to create something that was going to be, that we were going to take action because so many causes that are real big and been around a long time and a lot of people give to create awareness and awareness is another word for we don't do <laughs> and it really is unfortunate you know you've got some of these causes that have done incredible things and and they're giving you know they're getting millions of dollars and and maybe they're doing some good work maybe they're not but for me with 143 collective it was about creating ways to give people a way to love other people. Yep. And so whether that was a personal friend or somebody that got referred to me or an athlete or a TV personality or whatever it may be, I wanted to have options because like you said, I have this heart. I want to help. I want to do these things, but then you get into it and you're like, I started a business. Like I didn't want to do that. And so for me with one, four, three collective, it was about going, Hey, I get that you want to do that, but Hey, did you know you can do this? Yep. And that was really a way for me that not everybody's going to quit their profession and start a nonprofit, yep. but there's a lot of people that want to do good and want to love on other people. And they just need an avenue to do it. And right. so there's a lot of different ways. There's huge foundation. There's all kinds of different charitable things to give to what yep. I really wanted to create was a way for people like yourself to connect with somebody that looks like me, that is in my age group, that has been in the trenches of the nonprofit space and really understands what it means to give back and make tangible progress. And so there's a litany of ways to do that from creating your own nonprofit to a donor advised fund or a fiscally sponsored program. And so for me, I wanted to be able to take my tool belt and give it to any one of my friends that wanted to do better or wanted to give back or wanted to, you know, help people. And so that didn't exist. And you're an entrepreneur. And I looked at it and went, wow, that thing doesn't, I mean, yeah, there's other yeah. nonprofit sponsors and family foundation. There's a lot of people, but there's nobody that had my story that had um, the experience that I have at 39, you know, I've been running nonprofits now for a decade. And so there's a lot of people and a lot of leaders of nonprofits that are usually a little bit older and, and maybe not uh, quite, you know, I, I like to think that I have my hand on the pulse a lot of times in a lot of the areas that we work. And I try to, you know, right. we always have youth committees. We have, you know, we, I'm just an advocate of like trying to learn every single day yeah. because if I can do that, 
it allows me to pass it on to whoever I'm working with. And so for me, it was always just about being able to take everything that I've learned and give it to everybody so that hopefully that will have a ripple effect and we just help more people. I love it, man. How can people connect with you? So best way, uh, obviously, is <laughs> social media, um, 143 Collective. It's it's on all the channels. So it's, yep. you know, Instagram is probably where we're most active. Um, but I encourage everybody just to go to our website. It's 143collective.org. And it talks about all of our programs. It talks about all the stuff that we're doing. And then also, you know, it gives you ways to connect with us to, um, you know, talk about programs or ideas or things that you want to do. And um I just always am an advocate of giving out my email and, and really kind of putting it on people that, hey, if you have questions, I, I'm an open book. So um, I always just give people my email and um, that's usually Amazing. it, man. It's I'm a little old school when it comes to that stuff, but- uh, Yeah, man, you, you're really aging yourself there. You know, it's- uh, <laughs> Wild, man. I, I appreciate that. Um, the way I, I end all my interviews is what I call the legacy question, which is very interesting what we're talking about legacy nonprofits and all this stuff but it goes like this this is your last day on earth you're with the people that you love the most and you can't give them anything you can't give them money you can't give them you you know anything in writing you just have one last conversation what's that conversation going to consist of and what are you going to share that's a great way to end an interview um it's a big question and i'll kind of give you two answers. The first answer is if you're not doing what you love, if you don't, if you're not doing what you love, what you're passionate about, you're wasting time straight up. Like people make decisions all the time that pigeonhole them into lifestyles and situations that are probably less than ideal. And so I tell young people all the time, like figure out what you love to do and go do it. And the money will figure itself out because if you don't, you're going to end up like I did chasing something that doesn't really give you happiness long-term. And then the, the second part of that answer kind of is in the same vein. And it's, you're the only person that's going to make yourself happy. And you got to work on yourself to figure that out. And I, I really am a huge advocate of like that self-help and self-awareness and being intentional. Um, and so I would share with my friends and my family that, man, please just love what you do and and be intentional about your life man to me those are the two most important things because without that everything else just seems like it would fray apart so um that's it man man i appreciate you showing up being present being vulnerable sharing the insights of uh what's the good the bad the ugly about about being charitable and and some of the hopefully that this opens some of our eyes to say hey there's some options out there uh that might be advantageous Thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. And I'm, I'm excited to see all of what is built and all the people that you help. And I'm excited to be part of that. So take care. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.